Hello friends, it's Jennifer Pagel and I welcome you back to the Women's Ministry Podcast here at Harpeth Hills. It's been a few weeks since I've um, put anything out there on the podcast and I'm thrilled to put this new podcast out for you to listen to and I know be blessed by. This um, is an interview between me and uh, a dear friend of mine, Reba Sloan, a new friend that God has brought our way recently. And Reba um, has such a passion that you're going to hear about in this interview for for all people, um, not just women. Um, she works with men and women of all ages um, to to have a good relationship with food, as she calls it. Reba is a dietitian, and she sees the pain that so many come into her office with for an unhealthy relationship that they have with food and, um, and what that can do, um, the gamut of issues that that can create and, and be in people's lives. And so I hope that right off the bat, if you don't think that this is something that you deal with or have an issue with, that you won't just automatically turn this off and say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Because uh, it does. One, whether um, we all uh, have a relationship with food, every one of us does. Um, It's something that we have to have as part of our sustenance and daily life. Um, But we all may know somebody that uh, has um, struggles in this area and listening to this podcast um, can be a help um, for you in their life. Um, But what's really on my heart today is I just really want to encourage anybody out there that's listening, man, woman, no matter what your age is, no matter if you are a young person or if you have Uh, been dealing with this for many, many years. Don't be scared to ask for some help. Um, Whether it's you that has been hiding a um, struggle with this for a long time and just didn't know where you could turn or maybe just too ashamed to really bring it to the surface and talk about it. um, Please, please, don't be scared. Come out and join the rest of us, many of us that have also struggled with this and and, uh, and get some help because help is out there. And, or maybe it's a, um, it's a child of yours, a teenager, or a, um, a young person, or maybe a niece or a nephew, or, or maybe it's somebody older than you or a friend, but silence is just uh, the worst enemy, um, to freedom. And, and we don't want to stay silent. We want to get help. And so, and Reba is there with open arms. And if not Reba, we can direct you somewhere else. But, but I'm here and, and willing to help you take those steps forward. Um, but this is something that uh, is real. And, and man, what time of year then right here, December in the holidays when we um, food and is just a part of everything that we do. And again, it can be um, a delight and it can be something that just drags us down in terrible ways. But God wants, God gave us this, wants to in us to um, have a good and healthy relationship with what we eat and with our bodies. And, um, and I just can't wait for you to listen to what Reba has to say about this. So again, I just encourage you to not let fear 
or shame stop you um, or stop you from getting the help you need or someone else that you love. I'm here for you and I love you and uh, I want to help you walk in this. So listen to this, be blessed by it and, um, and come find me and talk to me if you need to. I love you all. Well, I am so thrilled and thankful to be here with my friend Reba today, Reba Sloan. And for you ladies at Harpeth Hills that have not had a chance to meet her yet, um, you've just got to. And especially after you listen to this, I know she's going to be flooded with new people wanting to meet her at church. Um, But I don't want to take up too much time uh, with anything I have to say. So Reba, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about you and your husband and um, how long you've been at Harpeth Hills. Just anything you want to tell us about you personally. I'm really excited to be able to to do this today. My, this topic of eating disorders, having peace with with food and eating your body and activity uh, is dear to my heart and I really believe it's a, an important um, spiritual concern mm-hmm. and I feel like anything that separates us from God is, is something we need to confront and deal with and mm-hmm. uh, certainly disordered eating and eating disorders can become that so I'm pretty passionate about <laughs> this um, my husband and I both went to Harding University and I studied dietetics there and uh, have had a long career in private practice now after doing several uh, stints, different places, Vanderbilt, Baptist, and so forth. But I feel most comfortable doing private practice one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I can have my Bible on my desk and nobody's going to ask me <laughs> to take it away. I can pray with clients. and mm-hmm. So it's been a, a great blessing. And my husband yeah. helps manage, his, manage my office, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're downstairs at Caravan if anybody wants to <laughs> come meet us yeah. and we feel like we were divinely directed mm. to to Harpeth Hills and we had been at Belmont Church for many years and a little bit at Woodmont Hills but feel most most home after Belmont mm-hmm. there at Harpeth Hills and mm-hmm. uh, no one has yet been able to tell us how the ad arrived in the <laughs> news that directed us to Easter service in 2016. Yes. Um, but we are grateful uh, that it, we did see it and we landed yeah. there and are very, very grateful to call Harpeth Hills our, our home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had an interesting journey getting to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And my master's degree is in behavioral counseling and I'm a registered dietitian. I learned a long time ago a person's relationship with food and eating is very complex. <laughs> Realized that my RD degree in registered dietitian just didn't didn't cut the mustard. So mm. My teenagers that I work with are always asking what cut the mustard means. Cut the mustard. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I forget how old I am. Yo. So um, and and the way I got here is an interesting journey in that in the '60s, long before eating disorders were discussed, uh, dieting was starting to become prevalent. Some of you might remember Twiggy, hmm. the model that came over from yeah. London that was during the British music invasion. We thought everything from London was wonderful. Right. Anything British was uh-huh. wonderful. And uh, it's, women started to, to change in the way they hmm. saw themselves, what they thought their ideal should be. And in the 60s, dieting began and also disordered eating. We didn't hmm. talk about it, though. I grew up a really overweight kid. I also happened to grow up in a very rigid Church of Christ setting. Mm. I was a rule obeyer. Um, yeah. And 
I was it's sort of the right mixture to fall into disordered eating and eating disorders. Uh, Backed anorexia nervosa is called the good girls eating disorder. Yeah. So around 13, 14, which happens to be one of the prime times for eating disorders to develop, the other time would be 17, 18-ish hmm. transition, transitional times, I decided that I needed to go on a diet. Hmm. I had also, earlier, like 11, 12, um, started being curious more about um, a lot of things, including spiritual issues, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I read one of Pat Boone's old books. Mm. I don't even remember the name. A lot of you don't know who Pat Boone is. <laughs> but uh, he he uh, was a famous singer and yeah. was raised in Church of Christ. And, and he had a book out that talked about his growth in knowing about the Holy Spirit. And I read that when I was like 11, 12. So those years are really years you start questioning right. and growing in so many ways. But you also get interested in boys. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had a friend at church who was naturally tall and naturally skinny. And my little mind, mm. she had a cute boyfriend. And yeah. my little mind, I thought, that's what it takes. If I could be, and I knew my mom wouldn't let me become a blonde. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, I bet I can get skinny. Mm. And up until then, I really wasn't too worried about my weight. Right. I, my parents were, my my doctor was one of those old-fashioned docs that delivered me. It also happened to be my grandmother's doc. Oh, wow. So he was always on me and very concerned. Mm. But I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I just... I was confident in, I, I thought I was going to be a comedian, and um, so I thought <laughs> it, it really did not matter which way for being a comedian. Oh, that's and great. Uh, I had no interest in going to college, which was interesting. I got yeah. C, D, F, but I was like, you know, I wasn't worried. I was a laid back kid. Huh. But I started this diet, and my mom proudly fixed my first diet plate, hmm. and later I found out that she had had eating disorder herself, wow. and I never knew it till she was in her 70s. Oh, wow. So she fixed my diet plate, and anybody who starts a diet never, ever expects that their brain will get hijacked, hmm. and they'll go down that path hmm. towards an eating disorder. Yeah. But that's one of the primary factors in the development of eating disorders. Hmm. You won't find eating disorders in cultures that don't promote dieting, artificial thinness, Mm. Uh, then there are subcultures that might promote it more so. Uh, female mm. athletes, um, sororities in college, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So innocently, I started this diet. And at that time, of course, the change, as I mentioned, of what was perceived to be uh, the, the female body type preferred mm -hmm. changed. And I thought, well, I got accolades. And I thought, this is great. Yeah. Everybody thought I was so disciplined, mm. and I had never exercised before. In fact, mm. I used to beg out of gym class. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, back then, it wasn't cool for girls to go running or right. play sports. So I decided to diet, and then I decided to go in my basement, unbeknownst to my parents, and I would just pace. Huh. And I paced for hours, uh, thinking I was burning calories. And, mm. and with eating disorders, it is very much it reminds me of the way Satan is sneaky mm. and in fact I think Satan and, and we call eating disorders sometimes we call him Ed we call it Ed, Ed. Uh, so I, I, think, <laughs> I think Satan and Ed really good buddies mm. 
And so um, it, it snuck up on me. Yeah. And my brain got hijacked. And before I knew it, I was, um, I'd lost over half my body weight wow. in a very short matter of time, months. Mm. Um, my parents, another thing that way I think eating disorders can be a spiritual battle is they can take someone, and at that point I was a very, as I said, I was a rule abider. Mm -hmm. I was very honest. I I was in that mindset of I needed to earn my salvation, so mm. I was really trying to toe the line. Yeah. I had no concept of grace, of grace at that time. Right. And you could have put a gun to my head and said, Reba, lie about X, Y, or Z, or we'll blow your, blow your brains out. And I would have said, pull the trigger. Yeah. But I started lying to my parents about mm. what I'd eaten, what I hadn't eaten. Eating disorders create a turmoil in, in so many levels, but one of them is would be that they you're not a dishonest person. Yeah. But when your brain gets hijacked, I wouldn't have lied about anything else. Mm -hmm. And I see that with many of my clients. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Reba, this is not me. Yeah. And yeah. They, and it's not. Right. They're in a battle. Yeah. So my parents honestly thought I was still eating. Mm. I was making it look like I'd eaten it. They had no reason not to believe no, you, no, it, it, except they for got, the outward signs that something was going on. You know, I was just yeah. shrinking. And, yeah. and my uh, my doctor, he was thought, well, maybe something's going wrong organically and mm. medically. And so back then, if they didn't know what to do with you, I grew up in South Indiana, they sent you to Mayo Clinic. Oh, wow. And they didn't know anything about eating disorders then. Mm. I flew under the radar. I was nearly bald from starvation, mm. and um, they. I remember I sat across from a psychiatrist, and he said, "I know your problem. I'm, I'm waiting for the answer." And mm -hmm. He goes, "You hate your parents, and when you get mad at them, you pull your hair out." Oh, so I'm like, "Wow, yeah, let's go for it." All right, yeah, my secret's safe. Wow, and of course. That was not, I mean, I did not hate my parents, everyone, and I didn't pull my hair out. It fell because yeah. I was starved to death. Yeah. So I have the letter in my desk drawer here still that they sent to my pediatrician saying she just needs to go home and eat. Hmm. Now, wow. you know, those of you who struggled from dieting, chronic dieting, eating disorders of any sort, you know, sometimes we get the the misconception that you have to be skeletal to have an eating disorder. Right. Most people are normal weight or above. Mm. And when your brain's hijacked, it really doesn't matter what kind of eating disorder you have. It's the yeah. same prison. Yeah. So um, you, all, you all will understand it's not easy. And parents mm. will come in here and say, well, well why can't you just eat? Mm. And I think, wow, a lot of it, the knowledge is, hasn't really changed that much. Right. We're not that much more educated no. now than no. in the 60s. Yeah. So um, I came home, and I didn't eat. No. And Just because some guy put it on a piece no. of paper. That was not going to do no. it. No. no. Um, my pediatrician called me in one day, and he showed me a paragraph that was very short. And it was about anorexia nervosa, and he pointed to it, and he was kind of like my second dad. He said, honey, I think this is what you have. Mm. And I laughed. I said, oh, no, it isn't. I just don't want to be fat. Mm. And um, so they put me on a pediatrics ward, not a, they didn't send me an eating disorder treatment facility or anything like that, 
they put me on a pediatrics ward, a normal pediatrics ward in South Bend, Indiana, and tried to make me eat. Wow. That didn't go very far. Mm-hmm. But God had a plan. Mm-hmm. I was there for six weeks. Can't imagine insurance paying that mm. now. I, even my clients who have to go to residential can't get mm. six weeks paid for. Yeah. Um, but they were just trying to, to they put food in front of me and they turn around and walk out. And of course I wasn't going to eat it. Mm. And I did all kinds of things to make it look like I'd eaten. And sometimes on these talks I hesitate to tell all my tricks because I don't <laughs> want people to get ideas. Right, but, right. But just suffice it to say, when your brain's hijacked, you'll just do anything. Anything, yeah. Because you're not yourself. Right. And um, one day I was sneaking exercise in my little bitty bathroom. It was the middle of winter. And it, there was a steam radiator heater, and I backed up against it. And my, my little hiney got burned. Oh. And my secret was out. So... Wow. They started watching me a little more closely. Yeah. But, no. Not enough. I convinced the nurse techs to let me help make beds so I could get some activity. Mm. Uh, But there was this dietitian. We called her Schultze. And I I regret that I was never able to let her know how God used Mm. her in my life. But she was probably not two years out of her dietetic internship. She was was mid-20s. She was so frustrated with me. You know, when you're a 13-year-old girl, sometimes you do think you know everything. Right. And she, <laughs> no, I've never met one of those. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure you know nothing about that. Um, and you have one coming up. That you're yeah, right. Learn. Already at eight, she knows yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, she came in one day, and I can just see her put her hands on her hips, and she said, you think you know everything just because you can count calories. Hmm. I'm like... Yeah, pretty much. You know, throughout a food, I'll tell you what the calorie number is. Mm. And and uh, the next day, she came in and she brought a stack of college level textbooks. I'm mm. thirteen. She shoved them at me, and she said, "You might as well find out what you don't know." And they were things like human anatomy and physiology, college level nutrition, and uh, I just remember vividly that day as if it were yesterday. And as she was getting ready to leave, she turned around and she looked at me and she said, you might as well decide right this moment to become a registered dietitian because you're going to find this interesting. Hmm. I was 13. (laughs) I did not know what a registered dietitian was. I knew that's what she was supposed to be. And in that moment, I did not like her. Right. She was the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want any part of that. No. But I, I... I really believe, you know, it was the Holy Spirit. I really mm-hmm. believe it was God in that moment. There was a click. And I said, yes. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm going to do. Wow. And I didn't change my mind from that day. Wow. At 13. I say moment. It was more like an instant. Yeah. And I would like to say that cured my eating disorder, but did not. Right. Um, I but stayed it was a significant there. It was, moment. It was a turning point. And yeah. in recovering from eating disorders, there, there are these little turning points, and they, they have to come from within. You mm-hmm. know, and, uh, parents, if they are frustrated, if, if their child had cancer or a broken leg, they know exactly what they need to do to right. get their child help or their college student or even themselves. But when it comes to eating disorders and disordered eating, you have to have that click where you go. I, I 
I want this. Mm. So it was one of those little clicks that God used. Um, the other way God used all that is it gave me empathy for people who struggled. I grew up uh, in my little Church of Christ congregation in South Indiana, being very judgmental of not only the other kids in the youth group, because I was such a good kid. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but it's the truth. It wasn't because I, I loved God so much. It was because yeah. I was afraid of going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And I started, my God used that time to help pull me close to Him. And mm. I had a spiritual growth in my own turning. You know, you can't inherit your relationship with God. Right. And I, even though I'd been baptized as a, you know, 11 year old, I, and I knew the gospel, but it wasn't good news to me. Mm. I hadn't mm. been, I hadn't had the whole gospel. That's right. Mm. And, um, I started doing more of my own reading of scripture and just seeking. And so there was a growth there. I also, uh, it's interesting when your brain chemistry gets a little messed up, you can become very OCD, obsessive compulsive mm -hmm. driven. And I became a straight A student. Yeah. So uh, some good things came out of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I would like to tell you when I started hearting, I was completely healed. But Kevin will tell you, our first date was at Pizza Hut, <laughs> and he still laughs at how straight and buttoned up I was across the table. And he, you know, being a college boy, he was really grateful that I only ate a couple of bites of pizza. <laughs> he had the rest of the pizza to himself. Um, oh, that's it, so funny. But, you know, I, I wasn't completely healed. Yeah. But it, mm -hmm. the, and God used Harding, and he used a wonderful, she just retired, uh, Dr. Beth Wilson. Uh, wonderful professor and was my advisor and she nurtured me and mm. affirmed me and so you know Harding just kept moving me forward I studied dietetics um, I, I believe by the time I graduated and Kevin and I got married in college we were married 41 years uh, that I was at a, a place of being healed mm -hmm. now I tell my clients who struggle with eating disorders I don't for an instant think that you can live in this culture of ours and never have an irrational thought about food, eating, right. activity, weight. But to me it's a very spiritual concept of taking every thought captive. Right. There's a difference between being affected and being controlled. Mm, mm. Um, so to recover from any disorder, you, you grow emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, relationship-wise. Mm. And if we call recovery growth then it's a never-ending that's right uh, but I am grateful that I went through all that and, mm -hmm. uh, I work with I self-disclose with my clients when it's appropriate and close mm -hmm. now it's going to be out there <laughs> not the first time I've ever done a podcast or spoken of my mm -hmm. my recovery but a lot of people in the field of the treatment of eating disorders have recovered and yeah. um, unlike something like Let's say cocaine or you know substance mm -hmm. abuse. You don't tell a cocaine addict or an alcoholic you just need to learn to manage your substance. Right. But with food, you have to make peace. Yeah, because you have to have it you to have survive. To it. It's you not like you can go the rest of your yeah. life without yeah. it. So I think that's why it is one of the most difficult things yeah. to walk with someone through because it's it's a 
it's daily and it will always be yeah. a daily thing yeah. for you. And, yeah. and to be able to make peace with all of that and know, you know, I, I talk to my clients a lot about the book of Ecclesiastes, which mm. I love. I think the book of Ecclesiastes can either de- really depress you right, or can make you step back and go, wow, is it that simple? Right. And, and Solomon, the wealthiest man at the time, mm-hmm. and probably the, probably the wisest man ever. That you know, God gave him that gift of wisdom that he asked for. Mm-hmm. And three times in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, "Enjoy what you eat and drink." Mm. Three times. And it's not a large book. It's not a long book. Right. And we know that Peter was given the vision when he was trying to make mm-hmm. the the uh, Gentile Christians. Yeah. obey the Jewish dietary rules. He was given that vision, and God said, you know what, all things mm-hmm. have been given for you to eat with Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So we we have no rules, right? despite what our culture tries to tell us. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it probably is a little bit worse now than I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the emphasis on the quote-unquote clean eating. Right. There's and a lot of judgment out life, there. Mm-hmm. It's, and food is not a moral or an ethical issue. Yeah, and it's so sad to me when my clients come in. They're like, oh, "I was so bad last night. I feel mm. so guilty over eating." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That's not the way God wants us to live. Mm. Yeah, food in in and of itself has no, no morality. No. In and it. and yeah. God gave us taste buds to enjoy food. Yeah. Um, you know, I think with anything, we can with excess. There's abuse. Yes. So I think learning to find that middle ground and be, have a peaceful relationship with food and activity mm-hmm. and appreciate the body God's given you. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think in our culture, the $60 billion with a B dollar a year industry is based on the back of women disliking their bodies. Wow. If you $60 billion. billion mm. And it has a 95 to 97% failure rate. I mean, what other industry could have that yeah. percentage of failure rate and make that much profit? Hey, which just shows the levels, shame right? yes. is out the roof because we wouldn't buy into it if they didn't shame us right. into thinking we needed yeah. to. Yeah. So it just, oh, it's a vicious, it's a vicious, very, very vicious cycle. It's like, like you said, Ed yeah. is really good yeah. at what he does there because yeah. that... Oh, and it, it and it can just relate to so many other things. Yeah. Um, we have to be a wise consumer of this culture. Mm. As scripture said, you know, we're, we're in the world, but we're not of mm. the world. And I think in particularly with body image, disordered eating, chronic dieting, I think, I think many Christians have unwittingly just bought into all of this. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize how Satan is using it to hold them back in their lives. Right. Uh, even women I work with and men who haven't done who haven't gone the route of getting a full bone eating disorder, mm-hmm. they are still in this prison of mm-hmm. of good, bad, on and off, on and nothing. And mm-hmm. you know, some some churches when they do the things like the Daniel fast, mm-hmm. I think they have to be careful. Mm. I mean, right. I think if we if we look at what fasting is supposed to do, draw us closer to God. There are plenty of things we could fast, right? Other than food, right? If we think we might have a vulnerability there, that's exactly right. So mm-hmm. um, even from a some of the first cases of anorexia nervosa, sixteen hundreds were among nuns. Sure. So you know sometimes fasting is put in that 
spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there's not a time for fasting. Sure. But I think we have to consider really what's motivating us. Mm. That's the key. The, the Lent, you know, my mm -hmm. clients fast during Lent. And my, a lot of my clients have decided, you know what, I don't need to fast food during Lent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I need to fast Instagram or Facebook right. or something mm -hmm. that will actually draw me closer to God. Yeah. And not crack that door. You know, I think once mm -hmm. you've had a name disorder, I believe in full recovery. Mm -hmm. But cracking in the door to dietary restriction is daring the eating disorder and chronic yeah. diet to re-enter. Right. And I've seen people relapse after dental surgery or, mm. um, you know, my father had colon cancer, so I have to have regular colonoscopies and you, you've prepped for one of those know what that's like yeah and um you're drowsy afterwards and i i i tell kevin every time i want it to we make it first thing in the morning and when they try to do a 231 i'm like no has to be it has morning. to be first thing in the morning and every every time kevin will go don't you think you want to come home and take a nap before we eat breakfast i'm like no hmm. it's been over 24 hours since I've had substantial food, I, if you have to hold me up, prop me up at the restaurant, we're going to go Whatever out to eat breakfast mm. right after the colonoscopy, and then I'll come home and take a nap. Yeah. And do I, you know, after over 40 years being out of prison, do I think that I would have that crack in the... I don't believe so, but... I, I, Satan is smart, man, and mm -hmm. God knows us best because he created us, but yeah. Satan knows us well, too, because he's out to get us. That's right. So That's he right. knows our vulnerabilities. And there, and you give him no foothold. Right. So I'm no foothold ever. Door. You don't ever let your guard down because yeah. he sure isn't yeah. ever letting he's, his down. He's always vigilant. So yeah. he's like a you know lion wants to That's devour right. us. That's right. So I, even though feel totally recovered and am, so grateful to be working with so many clients, mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of clients that I can say I've seen fully recovered. Mm, praise I, God. I don't want, yes, God's been so good, at, but I don't want to even crack the door. Right. And I right. think that's, that's the way you have to approach it. Sure. So sure. my clients that are 22 and I say, this is hard for you to hear, but I've got to tell you, you must never, ever, ever go on a diet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you're your college, your sweet mates are doing, it doesn't matter right. what your mom's doing, it doesn't matter what your friend at church is doing. Mm -hmm. Once you know you have the vulnerabilities mm -hmm. to develop an eating disorder, you, you can't do this dieting. We, dieting is presented in our culture as something that's very benign and harmless. And, yeah. But for some people, it doesn't get a foothold. Right, right. But for many, it does. Mm -hmm. And for many who don't get a full-blown eating disorder, they're just plain miserable. Mm -hmm. They feel guilt and shame every time they eat. They mm -hmm. worry about it. Um, Is that know. some of the things that you would watch for? You know, yes. um, when you know, like I said, for some it does and some it doesn't. So that's a, a trigger, I would guess, is if you feel shame every time you eat. Yes, if you if you, if you're feeling shame and guilt over what you've eaten, uh, if you find yourself not participating in life because you're mm -hmm. afraid what you might have to eat. Hmm. I mean, disordered eating and chronic dieting can be very isolating. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the last uh, time that I was ever, I lost all my friends during high school. I have my one friend that has known me since 
we were two who's more like my sister she she mm. never gave up on me yeah. but when you don't hang with you know when you're a teen and you get together you eat that's right and my one of my last recollections of being asked to anything was probably when I was about 14 15 and it was a we called them slumber parties back in the old yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> Sleepover. Right. And uh, we were all there, and everybody was eating but me. Mm-hmm. And as we were dozing off about 3 in the morning, somebody said, well, when we get up in the morning, Elisa's mom is going to make pancakes. Mm. I absolutely freaked out. Mm. After everybody fell asleep, we were in the basement. I snuck upstairs. And I walked home at three in the morning. Just and, so you wouldn't have I, to be there around the pancakes. Face the pancakes. Mm, wow. And of course nobody's going to invite you again. That's yes. it. Crazy <laughs> girl crazy who girl. walked out at 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think people are a tad more understanding. They've, you know, yeah. celebrities have had eating disorders. Right. And, right. Um, it's more discussed. But back then, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so. It, it'll rob you if it doesn't mm. 20 to 30 percent of people who develop eating disorders die mm. and I easily could have been oh, that's a, a huge uh, number it, paranoid schizophrenia you can look at other mental illnesses they don't have those rates yeah but um, when I have clients that are 50 60 and some even older who've lost everything because they're eating mm. disorders, it's just sad makes you sure makes you want to cry Right. So it's it'll it's a thief. Mm-hmm. Like Satan. Exactly. To rob and destroy. So if if there's somebody either listening to this that is identifying with some some or all of what you're saying or um with themselves or they're they they care about somebody deeply that they are thinking, Oh man, I, I see some of this in someone else. I mean, how do you how, how do you encourage somebody to broach that with somebody? I mean, that's such a delicate it is. thing. And, and the last thing you want to do is put more shame on them or whatever. But, but you know, you're talking about these 50, 60 and older women sitting there and all that they've lost. You know, when we love somebody, we'd want to help. We want to intervene. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some right and wrong ways to go about that. Absolutely. So yeah. There's always a right time. And... If parents or family members are concerned about someone, I, I say it's never at mealtime. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, smart, uh, true. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I, um, um, and eventually, it, it can end up being a good thing. I had one little teen, her dad, after he knew she had an eating disorder, he decided to put a teddy bear at the table, and uh, it was an old raggedy teddy bear, mm-hmm. and he called it Ed, and whenever he saw her, uh, or talk, t- she heard, heard her talking in eating disorder terms like, oh, I can't eat that or whatever. Mm-hmm. He'd say, oh, that's Ed, and he would throw water on it. <laughs> so it, 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 it eventually helped her at mealtime. Yeah. But in the, as you're approaching the, the topic, yeah. I would say, you don't say, hey, you've lost a lot of weight, or hey, you've gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Don't make it about weight. Mm-hmm. You might say, I've noticed you've stopped coming to our get-togethers mm-hmm. or and usually if there's one or if there's more more than one person who's concerned mm-hmm. if one person says hey I'm really worried about you because every time we go out to eat you don't eat much and you always go straight to the bathroom mm-hmm. they'll say oh you're crazy yeah they'll dismiss one yeah. person but mm-hmm. if, if two people or mm-hmm. three say 
these are some specific things we've observed, mm -hmm. and we're, we're concerned. Yeah. And uh, it's all about coming in love mm -hmm. and concern and helping them understand they're not being judged. Right. I think a lot of my clients who are Christians feel such guilt over having to struggle. Yeah. And, uh, mm. you know, I always... I take great comfort in Romans 7 that we don't know what Paul was struggling with. Right. You know, the right. very thing I know I shouldn't be doing is yeah. what I do and what I know I, I need to do. I don't do it. You know, right. wretched man that I am. But then there's 8-1. That's right. There's no, no condemnation. condemnation. Christ Jesus. Right. And so, it, it does, you know, when we're Christians, it doesn't mean we don't have struggles. That's right. So I think letting the person And the know, struggle isn't the sin. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So I, I think letting them know that you're there. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some great websites. The National Eating Disorder Association website has a whole section on how to support a friend or a loved one. Okay. The that National Eating Disorders website. Mm -hmm. Okay. And my website is just rebaslownutrition.com. Okay. I have all those links under additional resources. Okay. Okay. And I also have made my website very just user friendly and right. a lot of so information. Rebuslownutrition.com, just uh -huh. all together. All right. <coughs> and no E on Sloan. So, Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. Because I, I think it's a very tricky thing, and nobody ever wants to hurt anybody. And, and I've walked with parents. Um, many times over the years through this that, I mean, nobody wants to believe this about your child because it just breaks your heart. And so I find that a lot of times parents, loved ones will go way long that, you know, in fear that they'll bring something up that isn't there. And then they've been responsible for driving them to something, but that nobody you, can cause. Anything. Yeah. I was like that. That's, I think that's another lie of Satan too. And that, um, you know, because if it's, if they are having some red flags, address it. I mean, wouldn't you say that the earlier that you can try to in, get some help, have somebody talk to, you know, absolutely is, is better than, than later than waiting. And I think with, with dietary restriction that can fly under the radar more readily mm. than if a parent observes another disordered eating behavior, mm -hmm. abusing laxatives or mm -hmm. something of that nature. Uh, so sometimes parents just think, oh, they're just trying to eat quote unquote healthy. Mm -hmm. And uh, but but as they see it take over the child or the teenager or the college student or the adult's personality, and that's what happened. You, you start seeing personality changes. Yeah, they become more withdrawn. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I tell parents who call me and say, you know, I don't want to overreact. I tell them, you know what? Honestly, I'd rather you overreact than underreact. Yeah, because I've seen what happen when happens when parents underreact. When it goes unchecked, and they yeah. just go, "Oh, it's a phase." Mm -hmm. No, right? It's, it's not. Or every, no, everybody mm. skips lunch at school. So, so what that my daughter skips lunch, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's it's easy to stick your head in the sand. But mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about something that is so dangerous, right? And uh, if you don't put the fire out. Well, if it's it's like a forest fire, hmm. if you don't put it out well, and there's some embers smoldering somewhere, then the next wind comes through. It might be their first year of college. It might be their first job change. It might be hmm. their marriage. It's going to kick it into high gear. Mm -hmm. So I'm a firm believer. You know, use 
the biggest fire hose you can get a hold of, not a mm-hmm. squirt gun, mm-hmm. and um, and take care of it. And mm. uh, I had a, a discussion with a parent yesterday who made the very, very difficult choice of having her child take a gap year when she was supposed to start college as well. Mm. And I just applauded them for yeah. loving their daughter enough to say, we know this breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. We know it breaks our heart, but this is what we need to do for your well-being, for your future. Yeah. And uh, and so it's it's you gotta be. It's a strong. Uh, the insurer and chronic dying strong opponent, and mm-hmm. you have to approach it that way. You have mm-hmm. to be strong in your stance. Right. That is very brave of them to have done that. And. And I love what you said of just about, this is about making peace. Yes. You know, the the larger conversation. And I think any of us, regardless of where we are on the spectrum of a good relationship with food or a bad relationship with food, um, we all can benefit from that that idea of making peace with with ourselves and ultimately with God and and you know what the Holy Spirit offers us is supernatural peace. Absolutely. And so we have it's a surrender to Him in all things and and this doesn't this isn't outside of that. This is right in the middle of that. I mean, we are supposed to be fruit bearers. Yes. I mean, that was our original design, our original purpose, and uh, to be fruit bearers, we have to be nourished. Right. you know and so nourishment I mean it's it's it it can and should reflect the internal relationship with have the Lord with our out with our bodies yes. I mean we are the temples we are it all works together mm-hmm. um and so I love that that you you help us understand that that this isn't a separate issue for just a few no. it, it it is all, so again, wherever we are on this spectrum, this is a conversation for mm-hmm. all of us. Absolutely, yeah. and and we're all part of this together. And if we are going to hold each other um, in community as we walk this journey, it's it's all of our story. Yeah, and and appreciating the package God gave us. Mm-hmm. And each of us has a different package. Yeah, and I think sometimes women more than men tend to get into comparison of packages sure (laughs) and uh we also have to remember that our body is a gift yeah and it was bought with the blood of jesus on the cross that's right now thankfully this is not a salvation issue right but it helps me to think in terms of i take care of things that i don't own better than things I do own. <laughs> if you loan me a book, boy, I wouldn't even drink water near it. Yeah. Um, if mine, you know, I'm scribbling and I'm trying right. to dog ear page. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it helps no matter where, what your body is. If, it, if you're, if, if you're, if you have a deformity, if, if you don't like the package you have, you can at least start with appreciation that mm. it's a package God gave you. Yes. And, yeah. and not compare gifts. Right. And um, and know that as you take care of what God has given you, uh, and there's no perfect way to do that, right? Then you are well prepared to fulfill the purposes God put you on earth for. Mm-hmm. And we know in Ephesians two, God, mm-hmm. before we even got here, He right. already had those purposes set out. Yes, he did. And this is the only body we're going to have while we're here. We'll have a new one one day, right? Right. So yeah. I think of that often. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is my, my vehicle. Right. This is what I have to be about God's purposes while I'm here on earth. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if we as Christians can take that stance and 
and uh, we don't take care of what you don't like. Right. And in our culture, we've been taught to dislike our bodies. Mm-hmm. Well, why would you think about the fuel you put in it? Mm-hmm. If you had a clunker of a car, you're ready to ditch. Right. You're not going to change the oil or wash or wax it. Right. Um, why, why would you give your body movement mm-hmm. if you didn't appreciate it? Right. And so I think, you know, we all just need to start with saying, okay, I appreciate what God's given me. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful yeah. for what God's given me. And I'm going to optimize the package he's given mm-hmm. me. I don't want to try to artificially manipulate it mm-hmm. and make it be something it's not supposed to be. Right. And uh, not go by some some ideal that our culture says mm-hmm. we're supposed to shag after. Right. We need to let our package be what, yeah. what God made mm-hmm. it to be. And Again, we, it comes back to the peace thing. Yes, when you make peace, and mm-hmm. you know that's it's going to be there. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's an issue that many um, many believers don't even understand how it's hampering their walk with the Lord. Yeah, uh, truly, it's because it's in our culture, it's like such a norm mm-hmm. uh, that you didn't realize. Oh, last time we got together, maybe with sisters in the Lord, I, all we talked about was. You know how bad we were the night before when we ate that mm. chocolate. Right, and, right. You know, mm. it's we need to change. It our- seems like harmless conversation, yeah. but there's an undercurrent there Absolutely. of dissatisfaction and ungratefulness mm-hmm. and and shame and guilt and mm-hmm. and it does it affects um, the way you are certainly your relationship with others, your relationship with God, but ultimately your relationship with yourself. Absolutely, um, yeah. It's- that, Quite a bondage. It is. So I'm is. I'm grateful that hopefully we can get some this this word out. Yeah. And, um, I I really do believe there's a lot of good resources here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things on my website are actually directed t- towards the dangers of dieting, mm-hmm. and a lot of people might actually relate more about that, that. than straight up eating mm-hmm. disorders. Sure. Uh, but what kind of a snare even just dieting can get us in? Right. Right. So, um, and I always need more hit, hits on my website. There so. you go. So everybody, go out there and uh, and check it out. Exactly, rebuslownutrition dot com for sure. But well, Rita, I appreciate you. I, it's I know you probably you have told it several times, but it's still probably can be hard to go back and relive some of that. But I appreciate your willingness to share from your past, your authenticity. Uh, uh, the way that you've let God mold and shape you. I know Kevin's been a big part of your story Absolutely, too, and yeah. your your relationship, your marriage is just such an encouragement to me. And I thank you for that. And we're so glad for that divine appointment that God had for you looking at the paper that day <laughs> uh, and brought you to us on Easter Sunday. Um, we are all benefiting. And so um, I just too want to encourage anybody out there that, um, you know, has questions for yourself or, or anybody else that you love, um, Reba's available. I know Reach she means out. it when she says it. Yeah. And so. if you think you might have an issue, you probably do. Hmm. You know, I think mm. you know, a lot of my clients are like, oh, I don't even know if I deserve to reach out for help. Mm. If Don't let Satan plant that thought in you. Amen. If you think you might have an issue uh, in this arena, mm-hmm. then it's probably worth investigating. Amen. That's a good word. We all deserve 
a road to recovery, don't we? Mm-hmm. Not just because peace, peace of, peace of peace. mind. There's a lot to be said for peace of mind. That is right. So, well, thank you, Reba, and um, we'll look forward to talking again. Thank you.